Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. <laughs> Jesus, I pray that you would increase the revelation of your beauty. You're not distant. You're so near. So Lord, I pray that your nearness would be understood by our hearts right now. Even our physical bodies would feel you, putting your hand on our shoulder, your hand on our heart. Would you increase the spirit of revelation in your transcendent beauty? Lord, would you make us today beauty chasers of your divine pleasure and beauty? In Jesus' name, the title of the message, as my dad mentioned, it's the stabilizing power of beauty, the beauty of Jesus in the midst of war. The stabilizing power to the human heart of the beauty of Jesus in the midst of war. Yesterday, we were, my family and I were on our way to see the eclipse out in Blanco, Texas, because you could see the full measure of it out about an hour west of here, Kerrville as well. We are on our way, and we were listening to this worship song, and I was undone by the beauty of Jesus. I was driving, so I held it together as best I could, but I was undone by the beauty of Jesus, and I said, this is the greatest recipe for any fear that we may have of what's going on in the world today. The greatest solution to the human heart's fear is the beauty of Jesus. So that's what this message is going to be about. Let's go ahead and play that clip. Most of us are completely aware, but let's just see the latest update from this morning, a 90-second clip from Fox News. All right. Well, I feel like I'm preaching mostly to the choir in this room, but let's remind ourselves why we care so much about what's happening 7,100 miles away. This is not in our backyard, in the natural, but in the spirit, it's in our backyard. In the spirit, it is very much in our backyard. You can go to the third slide, bud. Why should we care so much? Something happening 7,155 miles away in the Gaza Strip. Well, it's really simple. (laughs) Zechariah 2.8 tells us why we should care so much. For this is what the Lord Almighty, Jesus himself, says about this situation. Jesus has words and opinions about everything that's happening right now in Israel. This is what he says. After the glorious one, that's his father. You see glorious one on the screen? That's his father. After the glorious one, the father has sent Jesus against the nations that have plundered you, Israel. So Jesus is stirring himself up as a mighty man of war to fight on behalf of the Jewish people. And he says this, for whoever touches you touches the apple of the Father's eye. Whoever touches Jewish people, and specifically Israel and Jerusalem, whoever touches you, good or bad, touches the apple or the center, literally in Hebrew it means the pupil, of the eye of God. The Father in heaven has a pupil. He's got two pupils. (laughs) Both of them are fixed on one city. Not Austin, not Lakeway, Jerusalem. So what do we get from this? Why should we care so much as Gentiles in Lakeway, Texas? 
You can keep on that slide. Because Israel, according to Zechariah 2, and the Jewish people are at the center of Jesus's and the Father's vision and the center of his heart. Therefore, they should be at the center of our vision and our heart. We want to care about what our bridegroom Jesus cares about. We want to love what he loves. We want to hate what he hates. So we want to love and care first about what he loves and cares about first. It's a matter of priority and order that he cares for them first. Another reinforcing verse to remind us why we should care so much. Matthew 25, 40. And the King Jesus will answer and say to you on that final day, he said, Assur he will say, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my Jewish brethren, you did it to me. How we treat the Jewish people is how we treat Jesus, is what he's saying here. So Jesus, as a Jewish man, fully identified himself with the Jewish people. He said, they is me. They is me. <laughs> they were his brothers and sisters. But even more than that, they, he fully identified himself with the Jewish people. So we, as married to Jesus, through salvation, that's what the Bible calls salvation, it's being married to Jesus, we have the engagement ring on before he comes back. And when he comes back, it's going to be a wedding. I got this ring on for Brooke, but I also have a spiritual ring for Jesus. So we, as married to Jesus, through salvation, have married into the Jewish family. Does that make sense? We have married into the Jewish family. <laughs> Guess what, Marissa? Your husband, Jack's brothers and sisters, became your brothers and sisters. Right? The moment you said yes, your family grew. We have married in to the Jewish family. So guess what? What's happening 7,100 miles away is a war against our family. Can you feel that? It's like someone going against Brooke's brother, Stephen. Someone trying to take out his life. I'm going to do whatever I can to protect that man. Because I've married into this family. Do y'all feel that? Okay. This is a war against our family. So the text today, Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6, words of David here. He says this. Surrounded by enemies. This is the context of this psalm. He is completely surrounded by 3,000 3, mercenaries seeking to kill his life. Full-time job is to kill David. 3,000 of them. This is what he says. <laughs> The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall be, I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to devour my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encircle against me or encamp against me, my heart shall not be in fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing. What is he confident about in the midst of war? One thing he's confident about. One thing I have desired of the Lord, says David, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I would be in Abba's living room, the Father in heaven's living room. 
<laughs> to do two things in that living room of God. To behold the beauty of the Lord first. To look and gaze on beauty. That's his one thing. To be in Abba's living room and look at his beauty. Not do anything for him. Just gaze with the eyes of his heart on the beauty of Jesus. And then, from that place of looking at him, talk to him. To inquire in his temple. Ask him questions about his plans for planet Earth. About his plans for your life and your family. And then he says this. For in the time of trouble. Raise your hand if you think we're in a time of trouble globally. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me in his prayer room. So that means. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now, what's the conclusion of the matter in the midst of war? And now, Chase, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I'm going to be happy in the midst of war. I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle, in the prayer room. I will sing. I will sing in the midst of war. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. So let's break it down three verses at a time. Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3. David says this, again, encircled by 3,000 mercenaries. Full-time job is to kill him. <laughs> this is what he says. The Lord, the God of Israel, Yeshua, Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, is my light in the midst of this darkness. He is my salvation. Therefore, whom, what human being, or what army, or what mercenary should I fear? If God is for me, who can be against me? Well, a lot of people can be against you. But they can't ultimately touch you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Then he says this. When the wicked came against me to talk bad about me? No. To devour my flesh. That was their goal. What is Hamas's goal for the Jewish people? Devour their flesh. When the wicked came against me to devour my flesh, brute beasts, my enemies, those enemies stumbled and fell. It's very interesting to note this phrase, devour my flesh. I was like, Lord, what animal can I represent that with? What are these Hamas terrorists fueled with? What's the demons that are fueling them? And he showed me a bear in, in my heart. Bears devour flesh. And then I was reminded of Daniel 7. Daniel had a vision of these principalities, these beast empires. And guess what empire, global empire, the bear was representative of in Daniel 7? Persia. Persia. The principality above Iran right now is like a bear, is what Daniel saw. <laughs> Isn't that wild? So that principality has a bear nature to devour Christians, Jews, anyone who doesn't subscribe to radical Islam. 
And so what Israel, what we are facing in the spirit is a bear that wants to devour all of our flesh, wants to eat us up and spit us out. This is not kind in the spirit. This is so mean. Persia, Iran, right now is a global power inspiring Hamas in Gaza, Hezbollah in Lebanon, the Islamic jihad, jihads all over the world. Iran is inspiring them. A bear is inspiring these terrorists. So that's why Psalm 27 is very pertinent. And he says this, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. So that bear, that principality, eventually is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. It's going to stumble and fall and never hurt us again or never hurt Israel again one day. He says, though an army may encamp against me. Again, that was 3,000 paid mercenaries. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will be at peace. It will not fear. It will be settled. It will be stabilized. I'm going to have a stable heart staring down my enemies. This is supernatural. He says, the war may rise against me. War will rise against America sooner or later. It will. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. He's about to tell us how he's confident. But I want to give you all some context before we jump there. This verse 3 has always been true for the people of God, but it's especially true for the Jewish people right now, the chosen race of God. They're that tiny little strip. You can barely see them. That tiny little strip, the size of New Jersey in the Middle East. 0.1% of the landmass in the Middle East is Israel. 0.1% of the actual geography, the land. 99.9% of all the land surrounding Israel is ruled by Arab, Islamic, radical Muslim nations. They are a tiny little New Jersey state surrounded directly by 22 Arab, Islamic nations. So look at verse 3 in that context. This is Israel, corporate Israel saying this. Though an army may encamp against me. How about 22 national armies encamping against you? Hundreds of millions of people. My heart shall not fear. <laughs> they could stand up with joy and peace. The war, 22 nations with militaries and armies that want to drive Israel into the Mediterranean Sea, never to be seen again. That's their goal. Death to Israel. Drive them into the sea. 22 nations trying to do that. In this, I will be confident. What are they confident in? Let's look at it. One of the best verses in the whole Bible. The one thing of David. You can go to it. <laughs> David's so wild. He's got everything. Catch this, guys. David has access to everything as the top king of the top nation of his time. Access to any food, any relationship he wanted, anything, anything in the natural, any human pleasure he had access to. And then he says this, out of all those human pleasures that I in a moment could send an order and get, this is what he says, one thing I have desired. I have access to a thousand things, but one thing I have desired of the Lord, my God, that will I seek. Seek means to run after with all your might. I'm going to run after this one thing with all my might. And then he says this, this is the one thing and it's actually three things. It's 1A, 1B, 1C. It's all the same reality. 
I mentioned it earlier. He wants to dwell in the house of the Lord. He wants to be in God's living room all the days of his life. I just want to go to the prayer room and sit there all day. That's what he's saying. And in this living room of Abba, Father in heaven, I'm going to look. I'm going to gaze. I'm going to sit. Not in an inactive posture, but an active posture. I'm going to sit and fix the Lord with the eyes of my heart. I'm going to close my eyes if I have to and imagine Jesus, the God of Israel, and ask him to touch my heart, touch my frame, my weak frame, with his transcendent, eternal, majestic beauty. That's the thing he's living for. (laughs) Guess what? Because it's better. If it wasn't better, he wouldn't want it. If God's beauty actually isn't a better pleasure than alcohol or drugs or immorality or entertainment, if it actually wasn't better, he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. He'd just go get those thousand other things. He found the beauty that satisfied him. That's one of the reasons God said, okay, I'm going to make your descendant the Messiah. <laughs> Even though you blew it ten times in Scripture, because you see my beauty and value it above everything else, you're going to be the great, 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 great granddad of Jesus. Gazing on beauty in Abba's living room. And then from that place, ask him questions. How do you feel about me? I've done a lot of good things, but how do you feel about me? People have different opinions about me. What's your opinion of me? I heard him earlier in worship say over this church, receive this, everyone in this room. If you're here, this is for you. He's proud of you. That's Abba's opinion of you. What are you saying over Gary? I'm proud of you. You're showing up to church in 2023. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. (laughs) That's what he's saying. From that place of feeling his delight over us, man, we're good. We're, We're good. We're good. David was good when he heard Abba's opinion of him. So that's what it means to inquire in his temple. Talk to him. Ask him questions about your life. In the crisis, I asked Jesus, What's, what are you feeling over Israel? And last week I saw him weeping over it. I mentioned it in church. That happened because I was talking to him about his heart for Israel. It didn't just happen willy-nilly. It happened because I was talking to him. That's the one thing. Does that make sense? 1A, 1B, 1C, Abba's living room, looking at his beauty from that place, talk to him. So, do you see this stabilizing nature? You know, we looked at verse 3. There's a bear breathing down David's neck. He's like, I'm going to look at his beauty and talk to him. I can be in a prison looking at his beauty, talking to him. and My, my heart can be stabilized. I can be being beat, gazing on his beauty like Stephen was being stoned. But he saw the beauty of Jesus, and he was stabilized. And he died with a smile. For in this time of trouble, guess what? God's not inactive. He is actively hiding his people in his pavilion. You see that pavilion? You become invisible to the enemy's camp when you step into the heart of Jesus, into the heart of the Father. Hide us in the secret place of his tabernacle. 
Again, the tabernacle is the prayer room. It doesn't have to be this prayer room, but anytime you're in your car, you may be in prison, you may be getting beat. Anytime you simply look up with the eyes of your heart at Jesus, you set him before you and you start talking to him. Guess what? You're in the tabernacle. We are one whisper away from instantly being in the tabernacle of God. One whisper, Jesus, Jesus, bam, we're there. We're good. (laughs) So that's where you're hidden. And then he sets you high upon a rock. And what's the conclusion of the matter again? We don't keep quiet about this beauty. What we've seen, we got to shout from the mountaintops high upon a rock. Look at that. We shout from the mountaintops what we've just seen in verse 4, the beauty and the things he's told us about the questions we've asked him. Now that our head is lifted up above all our enemies all around us, we offer sacrifices. We don't keep quiet. We start singing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Praises full of joy. That's the outworking of seeing his beauty and talking to him. You start singing. And you become a singing army. A singing army causing confusion in the enemy's camps through your songs, Lindsay. They cause confusion in the enemy's camp. (laughs) I love Lindsay. So many meetings we have. We're in the midst of these great crises. We're we're feeling the heat. We're like, what do we do, Lord? She's like, I got a song. And she stands up and sings the truth of God. Because this is Psalm 27. She's lived it. And most of us are living it in this room, if not all of us, right now. All right, so let's do a quick connecting verse, and then we're going to respond. So the Lord showed me this on Friday night. He was even preparing to change the message already, and I didn't know it yet. <laughs> so the connecting verse between Psalm 27.4, one thing I've desired of the Lord, to look at his beauty and talk to him. What's the practical outworking, the practical connecting verse for us? If, my, if the title of my message is the stabilizing power of beauty in the midst of war, what's the greatest proof of that in the scripture? I think it's Psalm 16, 8. This is what David says. Even the spirit of Christ speaking through David says this. He says, I have set. That's an active action of the heart. You see how this isn't passive? When you set something before you, You're making a choice. I could set this water bottle behind me and forget about it. Or I could set it in front of me, like, oh, that looks like good water. I'm going to drink. You see the choice I made? I set it before me. Before the eyes, not my physical eyes, but the eyes of my heart. So David says, I have set the Lord. Picture this water bottle as the Lord. Always, everyone say always. I have set the Lord always, 24-7, 100% of the time, before the eyes of my heart. Therefore, look at the last line, I shall not be shaken, or I shall not be troubled in distress or moved from my place of peace. I have set the Lord always before me, So therefore, when news of wars and rumors of wars happen in the news, we're not troubled. 
We're not shaken. We keep our place of peace and joy. But how do we do it? Setting the Lord always before us. We won't be shaken one ounce if we keep him before us 24-7. That's a guarantee from Scripture. So the only times we feel shaken and in fear is because we forgot to set the Lord before us. And that happens. I go hours of my day sometimes before I set the Lord before me again. And I start getting into the route race of fear and the mind and thinking about what this person said or how they treated me or how I treated them. Oh, I really blew that. No. Set the Lord before you. Peace. Joy. <laughs> so what's our principle based on the thesis of this message? The stabilizing power of beauty in the midst of war? Here's the conclusion of the matter. To the measure that we set the beauty of the Lord before the eyes of our heart is the measure that we will be unshakable. Remember that. Take a picture of it if you need to. To the measure, whether it's 90% that we set, yeah, again, it's measuring out. To the measure that we set the beautiful Lord before the eyes of our heart is the measure that we will be filled with peace in the midst of war. Does that make sense? Based on Psalm 16? Is Brooke in the room? There she is. So, let's look at the other line. I skipped it on purpose at first, but don't skip scripture, Kyle. <laughs> so, Psalm 16, 8. <laughs> Because I wanted to make a point first, and now I'm going to make another point, a more full point. Okay? Psalm 16, 8. You know the context of Psalm 16? Jesus is about to go to the cross, and the Spirit of Christ is speaking through David. So he's, he's looking at the cross saying Psalm 16. <laughs> so some of you guys in the room, if it's been appointed for you, will face martyrdom. It's promised in the Scripture for certain people, you will, fate, you will give your life for Jesus. I believe there are people in the room, maybe listening online, that will do that for the Lord. What's the key to not denying Jesus when the gun's at your head? <laughs> Set him before you. Do what Stephen did. Look up to heaven and see Jesus standing, waiting to receive you with a smile on his face. So he says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. Therefore, I will not be shaken. So let's think about it. Brooke, can you stand up here? Come up and stand right in front of me. So how can we set the Lord before us and he be at our right hand at the same time? So that's what he says. I have set the Lord always before me. Wherever I go, I'm keeping the Lord before me. And I'm going to be at peace. She's really good at guarding, by the way. That's how I met her. She guarded me in an ultimate Frisbee tournament. I was really impressed with her athleticism. I was like, who is this super athletic girl that just stays like glue on me? Well, it happened to be my future wife. <laughs> she was. I was like, she is so quick and fast. That's a very much an aside from this right now. But to the measure... That we set the beautiful Lord before us is a measure that we won't be shaken. But how can the Lord be before us and at our right hand? We set him 
before us, and then we hold his hand. <laughs> we set the Lord before us, and then we make physical, not physical, but spiritual connection with him by holding his hand. So right now, if Brooke is the Lord, he's before the eyes of my heart, and he's at my right hand. <laughs> so guys, this is the posture of stability in the midst of war. Picture yourself with Jesus. This is the posture of stability. Wherever we go, don't fall. You can walk backwards. <laughs> Wherever we go, this is the posture we keep. And we will be at peace. We'll be in joy no matter what's happened. Does that make sense? This is the posture of stability. Everyone say posture of stability. This is it. Yes, thank you. Yes. Amen. We're yielding to his strength. It's not us, it's his strength. We're receiving his strength through our right hand. All right, communion teams, you can go ahead and get ready to serve the elements. Communion teams, thank you. Yeah, there's a lot in there. <laughs> Hey guys, this is a little fun aside as well. I remember vividly the first time I held Brooke's hand. Vividly. Okay? December 21st, 2016. Vividly. We were on a beautiful hike down by Bull Creek. Held her hand, and it was like, in a holy way, magic. Not Harry Potter magic, supernatural Holy Spirit. <laughs> It felt I had made connection physically with my future wife. It was so powerful and it was so simple as just holding her hand. Guess what happened about 10 minutes later after that? A beautiful sunset happened and literally in the sky, based on the clouds, was a hand in the sky. Like a handprint in the sky. It was, I have a picture of it. Should have sent it to you. But there's a handprint in the sky over us after we just held hands. God was proving a point. Yes, I want you to hold your wife's hand, but also hold my hand. <laughs> Look at me. Gaze at me. Set me before you and hold my hand, and you're going to make it. You're going to make it. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and stand up. Worship team, you don't have to come yet. I'm going to let you gaze on beauty. Look at the beauty of the Lord without serving up here. So, we got four communion stations, right? Yep. One on each corner of the sanctuary. I just encourage you, even now, to start making your way to receive the elements, the communion elements. Find the closest one. You can go ahead and start making your way and getting those, receiving those. Don't take them yet. But I want to give a little qualifier. Okay. My dad alluded to it coming off worship. He didn't know I was going to talk about this. But you're going to, I promise you, you will get the accusation if you live a lifestyle of gazing on the view of the Lord, of spending long hours just before him, just sitting before him, you will, hear me now, stay locked in, you will get the accusation that you're not doing enough for God. You will get 
even the accusation from Christians that you're kind of just escaping from reality, being before him. That's an accusation the enemy will say to you, and maybe through the mouths of other people. Man, you're just kind of escaping from reality when you sit there before Jesus. You're not even doing anything. You're not even winning the lost. You're not sharing the gospel. You're not being a light. You're just in that room, worshiping him, looking at him. What are you doing? This is a waste. Waste of time, waste of talent, waste of resources. But guess what? This lifestyle of seeking God's beauty is not merely us escaping from reality. No. This lifestyle of seeking God's beauty is actually us tapping into the ultimate reality of the universe. This is not an escape from reality. This is us tapping into reality. This lifestyle is actually about us tapping into the ultimate reality, which is God's beauty. That's the ultimate reality of the universe, is that God is beautiful. He's transcendent. He's eternal. So the chasers of God's beauty are not escapists. You are not an escapist. You are a realist. God's beauty are realist because nothing, no thing is more real and more lasting than the beauty of God. Escapism is watching six football games in a day. Escapism is running to alcohol, drugs, and immorality to numb the pain of the escalating global shakings. Escapism is trusting. Catch me this. This is a hard word, but I believe it's true. Escapism is trusting in a pre-trib rapture to get us out of here before the great end-time harvest, I believe, will happen in the last three and a half years. Pre-trib rapture, I believe, is a demonic doctrine concocted 150 years ago. None of our early church fathers believed in it because guess what? They were getting their heads chopped off. So, oh, yeah, pre-trib rapture. I'm getting martyred for Jesus. How is, how is tribulation not happening in the early, early church and all throughout church history. (laughs) Escapism is trusting in a pre-trib rapture to get us out of here. That ain't happening. I tell you in love that it's not happening. We are going to be victorious, bright, shining, arise and shine because gross darkness has covered the earth. Your light has come. You're going to shine brighter than ever amidst the black backdrop of the escalating global shakings. Beauty chasers are not escapists. They're realists. Because the beauty of God is the only real thing that lasts. (laughs) All right, so let's respond right now. You have communion. We're going to take it by ourselves. You can take it with another person if you want. But let's do this. Let's set the Lord, the cross, the beauty of Jesus on the cross before the eyes of our heart. Through communion, that's what you do. You set the Lord always before you. Therefore, you will not be shaken. So let's respond as beauty chasers, as realists, by setting the beauty of Jesus before us in communion. We're going to play a song, the song that undid me on my way to see the eclipse, (laughs) that changed the message. So you can blame this song for the change of message. (laughs) So we're going to worship, not with Fox News, but with David Funk from Bethel. <laughs> Don't worship with Fox News. 
<laughs> Catch the foxes, yeah. So, again, we're going to just worship. You can, we're going to do this five, six, seven minutes. So get comfortable, walk around, do whatever you want. Be before the Lord and take communion as we worship. And I want this thought to be the final thought of this message. Think about it. All the sunsets you've seen. Your beautiful spouse. Beautiful movies and music. Of all the created beauty that you've ever seen in your life. Who has seen some beauty in nature? Who's seen some beauty in people? <laughs> Who's seen some beauty in created art? Oh, there's so much beauty out there. Of all the created beauty that your eyes have ever laid on, imagine, just imagine, how beautiful the creator himself must be. Of all the created beauty that we've ever seen, imagine how beautiful, beautiful the creator himself must be so let's look at his beauty take communion you can go ahead and play it thanks for listening to the weekly sermon to download the notes and slides for this message visit our website riverinthehills.com if you would like to partner with us in moving god's heart and changing the world please subscribe to our podcast leave a review and share this episode with a friend.